Hello, everyone. This is Brian Peters, CEO of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association, and welcome to the winter 2021 episode of the My Care Champion cast. Our special guest today is none other than Ed Ness, the president and CEO of Munson Healthcare and the current chairman of the board of trustees of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Ed, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Brian. I'm very glad to be here. Well, this past year, as we reflect on 2020, was a year unlike any other. Before we dive into some of the extraordinary challenges that you and the rest of our membership confronted, let's rewind the clock a bit to the days before uh, COVID first came onto our radar screen and perhaps tell us a bit about Munson Healthcare, about the system itself, so we have a bit of context for how you tackled this uh, incredibly uh, challenging uh, issue of COVID-19. Sure. Thank you. So, you know, Munson Healthcare System is um, a collection of hospitals, physician clinics, home care, um, and ambulance services that really serve the northern half of Michigan, the 500,000 people that live in northern Michigan. You know, we're a fairly new system over the last five years. Um, we've come together from a collection of affiliation agreements and other relationships into a much tighter system. And really the goal is to how do we coordinate care share resources to meet the needs of the rural population of Northern Michigan, um, many of which um, are underserved in some of our rural communities. And in almost community, all of our communities, we are the sole provider of care. So um, we're really on this journey um, of working together as a system of hospitals um, rather than a collection of pieces to really meet the care needs of our rural population in northern Michigan. Well, that's a helpful background. I think it's fair to say that the, the Munson system for many years, and certainly under your leadership, has established itself as such a, a well-respected and highly regarded healthcare provider uh, throughout northern Michigan and throughout the entire state. And I think it's important for our audience to understand that because as you tackled the, uh, the COVID-19 challenge, I think it's fair to say, again, the community really looked to you and, and looked to Munson for answers and, and for, uh, for assistance as we uh, we battled COVID. Is that, uh, is that right? Yeah. You know, I think the unique situation of many of our communities in Michigan, but especially those in rural communities, we are not only the sole provider of care, we are the only hospital, we are the only doctor's office, but we're also the largest employer. And so when it comes to times of big change or crisis like COVID was, um, we wear multiple hats in our community. And I think, um, you know, our role goes much beyond just being a hospital where people come for emergency care to have surgery. It really is to be a community leader in working with um, other community leaders to help address these issues. Um, to me, that is the unique opportunity we have is, um, you know, our job is to work with all the agencies and all the companies and businesses in the communities to better address healthcare needs. And I think, you know, the, the good news is we're pretty uniquely positioned to do that. 
So Ed, let's uh, again, look back to the days before COVID. Can you recall what was the, the first day where you came into the office and realized, you know what, we've been hearing about this COVID-19 issue, certainly started uh, overseas and then came to our shores. When you first realized this is an issue that is now front and center for us right here in Traverse City and in the, the communities in northern Michigan that we serve. You know, it is interesting. It, it seems so long ago, but it's really a year ago that we started hearing about um, this disease coming into the United States. And of course, early on, it was something that, um, you know, was on the West Coast, I think in Washington State, maybe there was a long-term care facility and started to hear some things in New York. And, you know, I think at that time, it was unclear what the impact was going to be in the upper Midwest um, and how much that would extend. Well, it's interesting. That was probably around the first of March. And by the second or third week of March, we were starting to really see this spike in cases in downstate. And, you know, um, unfortunately, um, you know, the Detroit area and Southeast Michigan was really one of the early spikes in this disease in the country. And once we started, you know, hearing stories and seeing the data from our colleagues um, in the more urban parts of the state, uh, we knew that was something that was really going to be serious um, and we would have to really adjust our operations to deal with. So what's, what's really amazing when you think back about it, how quickly it escalated from, yeah, there was something happening on the coast and it's going to be interesting to watch this to boy, this is here in our home state and it's affecting our citizens. Um, and we really need to change our operations to prepare for it. Right. So let's talk now about uh, how this rolled out in the spring, the initial surge. You were confronted with a growing number of patients showing up at the hospital, uh, certainly dealing with all of the challenges related to personal protective equipment, your own employees uh, concerns. Talk about what that initial surge was like and how you and your team responded. You know, I think as in reflecting back on this, I think what's really incredible, not for, you know, for our system and really all health systems is the pace of change at which we will, we're able to adjust and, and adjust our operations and policies to this change. You know, I'm not sure healthcare is known tremendously for his nimbleness uh, historically. And we, you know, when we look at our strategic plan and our culture, we talk about change management. And then it came to March um, and I was reflecting back and I look at the changes that happened in a period of weeks. Um, we, we went uh, from having open visitor policies to basically very restricted visitor policies. We were in a situation where we had to um, suspend or greatly limit the number of outpatient and elective procedures that we were doing in all of our institutions. Um, we had to look for alternative sources of PPE because our traditional sources through our national purchasing agreements, you know, didn't even come close to being able to supply um, our needs of PPE and whether that's N95 masks or other things, uh, we had to make a financial adjustment. Um, in some of our small communities, outpatient procedures and some of the more elective procedures represent, you know, 70% of their volume and probably a corresponding set of net income. And 
you know, in the beginning, we talked about how we've come together at the system. And I shudder to think what it would have been like if we hadn't come together as a system and rather we're just a collection of individual hospitals because we were able to come together and say, um, OK, let, let's convert. Um, our practices to telemedicine, and we were able to do that across the system. We were able to work with our colleagues across the state to our, uh, locate alternative sources of PPE um, that we would have never been able to do before. Uh, we set up screening stations and limited visitor policies. And I think what it shows is that we can change quickly as healthcare um, when forced to do so. And uh, it really exposed, I think, some of the opportunities in the future as new crises come up is how do we work together to really change as an organization and change as an industry uh, when things come up? Well, that's really well said. And, you know, we've advocated throughout the pandemic that uh, never before have we needed a more stable and viable healthcare infrastructure. And I think you just spoke to the value of systemization. You have a, a real system uh, within the Munson uh, family. And uh, clearly you were able to work together and share um, insights uh, as things were, were advancing. And maybe you can talk a bit more about uh, the, the issue of testing. When that first started to become an issue in the community when people were, were seeking a COVID test, they wanted to understand for themselves and their families. How did that play out across yeah. your system? You know, it's another one. It's, it's interesting to think back to where we started. Um, you know, in the beginning, um, there really wasn't any testing. Um, and that not only was a concern for our patients, of course, but it was it was a concern for our care providers because we had patients presenting themselves in the emergency department or for surgery. And other than monitoring their symptoms, we really didn't have a good feel for what their disease state was. So, of course, pretty quickly, we progressed from being able to test for our highest risk patients coming into the emergency department and surgery. Um, but still, that way, in the beginning, was not available to the public. And so, you know, it really took a while, especially in our rural communities that don't have the sophisticated labs, internal labs that a Henry Ford or a Beaumont or even a Spectrum had where they could, you know, they were big enough, they could do their own testing. So in the beginning, we were reliant on outside organizations for the most part to do this testing. Um, and of course, all the systems in Michigan work very well together and are very cooperative and in increasing that test availability. But for that first couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months, it really was a struggle. Of course, we're in a different place now. Uh, we really are able to test patients coming in for our procedures, test patients coming in uh, for testing. And I think um, now the question is, how do we expand that testing to more broadly in the community, not only for people, um, um, you know, that worried because they have a vulnerable population. But I see the next phase of this is as we start to open up, people are going to want testing. You know, they want to have a family reunion. <laughs> are they going to be able to do testing or they want to travel or they have work travel? Can they have testing? And the availability of that testing is very mixed in our communities and certainly is much less available in our rural communities than it may be in some of our urban counterparts. 
Well, hospitals have clearly been on the front lines of the testing issue, as you just described. And now, of course, Munson and, and other hospitals around the state are, are clearly on the front lines of the COVID vaccine issue as well. Let's talk a bit about the challenges that you're seeing on the ground in the here and now with respect to the COVID vaccine rollout. So I think the the biggest concern is just the unknown and the, and the ability to plan. Um, you know, we as healthcare organizations um, working with our health departments, we know how to give vaccines. We give flu vaccines every year. We have clinics. We have the infrastructure to do that. And in many of our communities, especially here in Northern Michigan, we have a very good relationship where we can uh, work together to figure out how to reach the most of our population. Um, and so, you know, what we have been communicating, and I think with the support of the MHA, is really what we need to know is what is our supply of vaccine going to be for our communities for the next four weeks and to have that be predictable. If we knew we were going to get 3,000 doses per week for the next four weeks, it would be really easy to work for our health departments to set up clinic set up distribution sites and communicate to our communities, one, how they access those vaccines and two, what criteria or what ages will be eligible. But unfortunately, the current situation is we usually don't find out till Thursday or Friday uh, what the vaccine availability would be for the next week. Um, sometimes that's what we expected. Uh, frankly, this week, for example, it's much less than we expected. Um, and so we really had to limit the number of vaccination clinics that were available to our public through whatever the setting. And so, you know, that's frustrating for our community um, because they, they don't, you know, they, they want to know where do I go and when will I when will I be able to get our shot? And it's really been tough to accurately communicate that because of the unknown. So, you know, we're hopeful going forward. I, I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks that'll stabilize and we'll really have a good projection of what we'll have available in our communities. Um, and that would be a game changer if we could just know so we could work with our health departments and plan. Well, I appreciate that insight, Ed, and I think you've articulated a, a concern that certainly we at the association are hearing throughout the state of Michigan. Uh, right now, we're in a, a situation where uh, the supply of COVID vaccine coming from the federal uh, government certainly is falling well short of the, uh, the current demand, and that's true all over the state and all over the country for that matter. Uh, you alluded to uh, the, the road ahead. And if we could take a more optimistic view when that vaccine supply ultimately does start to catch up with the demand, what about that next challenge that we'll have? And that is vaccine hesitancy. Those who, for one reason or another, may not be confident in this vaccine, its safety, its efficacy, and uh, may not be willing right away yeah. Uh, to get the vaccine and therefore delay uh, that ultimate herd immunity that we all need to get to, to return to some semblance of normalcy. Have you seen that play out first in, on your own team as you, you start with your own frontline caregivers and then as you move to the public? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think it is certainly an area of concern to monitor. Um, I will say we have done a lot of work in our internal staff. So of course we started vaccinating um, the vaccination process with our internal audiences, our care providers and employees. And we now across our system are approaching 70%, um, which is 
somewhat of a key number because you can start to get close to some of the numbers we've talked about with herd immunity. And where there are pockets that may have some more hesitancy, we're certainly working on education because we think, you know, if we can lead as a healthcare system with getting the vaccine and tell stories about um, that we as healthcare providers have gotten the vaccine, we did not have any adverse reaction and we're comfortable doing this. We think that will send the message to our communities. We start have started having conversations with our local um, chamber and business communities of when we are ready to start having more broad, broader vaccinations for our community, working with our business communities to get that message out that this vaccine is safe, it's effective, and it's really a key to getting back to normal in Northern Michigan. And I think that's the message that we want to give is, you know, we, we all as in Northern Michigan as a tourist area, we, we want to be able to have a, a summer and a tour season where restaurants are open and businesses open and tourists can feel comfortable coming to Northern Michigan. But it's in order for that to happen, we're going to have to make sure that folks get vaccines in a sufficient number that it really starts to get some herd immunity. And so I think there's an opportunity with our business partners and our community to get that message out um, and to frankly lead by example. Well, that's great. And, and certainly the Michigan Health and Hospital Association will be working with the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services and other groups to really amplify that message that, in fact, this is a safe and effective vaccine that we're talking about. Any vaccine that comes to market has to go through that very rigorous process. Certainly, uh, there was a tremendous amount of energy and resources devoted to this process, more so than, than any other uh, process like it uh, in, in recent history. And, and therefore, we were able to get a vaccine to market in a fairly rapid fashion. But that does not mean that any corners were cut in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and certainly we'll be uh, amplifying that message. I'll share a couple of really positive numbers on that front. Uh, certainly here in the state of Michigan, we're very proud of the fact that our hospitals and health systems like Munson just last week uh, surpassed the half a million mark in terms of COVID-19 vaccines that were uh, administered to patients. That's more than any other uh, single provider group. So very positive there. And if you look at the total number of vaccines administered here in the state of Michigan, we now rank number seven across the 50 states, which is something I think to be proud of. Certainly, as you've articulated, we have a long way to go, a lot of challenges to overcome, but we're doing fairly well when you uh, contrast Michigan with the rest of the country. The other numbers that I would point to, and these are the, the numbers we continue to track, uh, nearly 600,000 Michiganders that have now tested positive for COVID and approaching 15,000 COVID deaths. I think for anyone in the public that uh, is upset with some of the shutdown orders uh, that uh, Governor Whitmer imp has implemented uh, throughout the pandemic, understandable about people wanting to get back to their livelihoods and their lives uh, as we previously knew them. Uh, you just look at those numbers and you have to understand how very serious uh, COVID-19 has been. Uh, it has caused, as I said, nearly 15,000 deaths throughout the state of Michigan. Can you talk a bit about the, the public sentiment uh, in the markets that you serve in northern Michigan, what's the feeling right now about COVID-19 and, and how do we move forward as a, a society? 
Yeah. So, of course, like any topic, there's mixed feelings. And given our broad geography, I would imagine there's a bell curve of opinion on this, just like there would be in other communities. I think when you boil it down, there may be different opinions on how we get there, but everybody wants the same thing. You know, we want to we want to have a path forward to getting back to normal with our families, getting back to normal with our small businesses um, um, and with our schools and everything else. So, you know, what's important, you know, I think it, there's two factors to allow us to do that. One is that um, people get the vaccine so we can start to get closer to herd immunity. And in the meantime, we adhere to the safe practices we know works. So whether that is social distancing, wearing a mask um, and being cognizant of washing hands and other kind of common um, known proven actions. Um, I think those two things together will allow us to the goal that everybody wants, and that is to start to get back to normal. And frankly, I'm competent. I think the vaccine is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, and I think if we can just um, hold strong over the next couple months with these practices, we really have a fighting chance to turn the corner on this disease. Well, thank you for that insight. And Ed, as you look back over this past year and then you, you look uh, forward, thinking about your role as a health system CEO and understanding that uh, there has been a, a tremendous cost to the COVID-19 pandemic in really a couple of ways. There's the financial cost, clearly, and perhaps you can talk a bit about what the financial impact has been on Munson, but also there's been a, a human capital cost. Uh, certainly those who are on the front lines providing care uh, day to day to day, um, you know, the the toll that that has taken on those frontline caregivers, I think at the end of the day, it seems from our perspective that uh, we need to do everything we possibly can from a public policy and funding perspective. And I'm speaking with the state capitol building uh, here in the background uh, here in Lansing, thinking about this, uh, this year ahead as we advocate for our members. Talk a bit about your message that you'd like to share with our elected leaders uh, with the, the benefit of hindsight, what you dealt with over this past year. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I really support, I appreciate the support of the MHA and their advocacy efforts uh, over the last year. I, I don't know how we would have been as successful we were without the MHA. And so first a shout out, Brian, to you and your team for all your work. And, and I think you summarized it very well. There's, there's kind of two areas of impact. Uh, one is certainly the financial impact. Um, we estimate that during um, this pandemic, Munson Healthcare collectively has lost about $150 million in revenue. Um, we re received through grants and um, CARES Act funding and others about a little over half of that 75 uh, to $80 million recouped through those things. Um, and frankly, it allowed us um, to uh, be successful and to continue to provide care. Um, but most of that grant funding has been used and been utilized. So as we go forward, we're going to continue to need to look for 
funding that ensures access in our rural communities. Of course, these are the most vulnerable of our communities. The hospitals are the most vulnerable. As you can see studies across the country that rural hospitals are closing at a pretty alarming rate in all of our states. And so as, as you know, one of the messages we want to get across is these are the only access point for care in some of our small communities for both the hospitals and the doctors. And so we need to make sure that we have the funding to make sure that they can continue to thrive uh, into the future to be successful. I guess the other message I'd send is, and I think, um, you know, certainly there was a lot of public support and recognition of our frontline caregivers uh, in the beginning of this. And it really has been a difficult nine months uh, for our care providers because, you know, they're in a situation where they now are having different PPE requirements. They're seeing patients every day, um, you know, that are struggling because of our restrictions on uh, um, visitation. Um, it is they have they many times are the the interface between a family and a patient, um, and you know, that's tough for them because they want to be supportive. Um, many times they may be short staffed because of their colleagues have been exposed uh, to COVID and, you know, are sick or out on preventative measure, measures. So, you know, it, it, it is, I think it's really important to keep front and forefront the impact on our um, staff and our employees and give them the support they need Um to not only take care of their patients, but to frankly take care of themselves into the future. Absolutely. Well, Ed, as we mentioned at the top, uh, you've been serving as the chairman of the MHA Board of Trustees uh, since July of last year. So really through uh, a, a number of tumultuous months. Uh, and as we look ahead, I'd like you to also comment on another group where you've been very actively involved in leadership, and that is the Merck Group or Michigan Economic Recovery Council, which, of course, has uh, been appointed to uh, advise Governor Whitmer on safely reopening the Michigan economy. Can you talk a bit about what that experience has been like and, and the value that you see there? Yeah, it's really been, I think, a, a very helpful and productive, uh, you know, session. And for those that may not know, this is a group of health system leaders from across the state, as long as business leaders um, that get together on a weekly basis um, for an hour or two to talk about not only what are we seeing in our local communities, but um, how can we work together to not only keep our communities safe. So whether that's, you know, through the challenges we face with PPE or vaccination, but how do we support our communities getting back to normal and staying healthy? And so it's been a unique opportunity, I think, for healthcare leaders to talk with business leaders and then have a forum to the voice with the governor's office to really have our voices heard, because, of course, it's a very diverse state with both geography and population. And one of the best parts about that group is, I think, is all of those segments of our state and population. So whether it's an inner city Detroit population that's represented by Henry Ford or Beaumont or rural populations that rep represented by Munson, you know, we are able to get together with business leaders and talk and strategize about what do we need to do to get our state back to normal. And um, I think it's been an essential tool and really been fortunate to be part of it. Very good. 
Well, Ed, certainly um, since you became chair in July, uh, COVID is not the only uh, major effort uh, of the association. And one of those other efforts, and you've been uh, a, a very strong leader on this front, is the issue of health equity. And we appreciate Munson being one of the first health systems in the state to sign the health equity pledge and really commit to that work going forward. Certainly, there's an aspect of this work that relates very directly uh, to the COVID-19 pandemic. But can you talk a bit about the health equity issue from your perspective? Yeah. And I'm so glad that the MHA has taken a leadership on this. I think one of the probably um, things that the COVID crisis showed was how we serve our underserved in this population. And as, as the COVID crisis became apparent, I think something that we probably new deep down became very visible. And that is the health cup outcomes of different segments of our population are not the same. You know, um, and and some of that's in the urban areas, and but it's also in rural areas. We have a unique situation here in Northern Michigan that within the Munson Healthcare Service area, within a, different counties, we have the healthiest county and one of the least healthy counties in the state all within about 40 miles. So why does that happen? You know, we we have one health system. Um, they're, they're all within the Munson system with the same doctors in the same hospitals. But I think what it shows is there's underlying issues with the underserved. Um, you know, they don't have access to transportation to get to the doctor. They may not have internet. They may not have the resources financially um, to receive the care they need. They may not have child care to be able to free themselves up uh, to go get a vaccination or to go to the get preventive care. And so, you know, I think one of the things we have an obligation as health systems is not only to think about and care for those that have insurance and show up at our hospitals, but how do we care and think about those that are the least able to get that care. And the first step is to recognize that it's a problem and to raise it to the agenda. And so I'm very proud of the MHA. You know, in August, we uh, helped the board approve a strategic plan of the MHA priorities. And there's some of the traditional things like advocacy and response to COVID. But I think for one of the first times, we really raised the issue of health equity and how do we serve our underserved. So this isn't an issue we're going to fix in a couple of days or a couple of months. Um, but I think it's something that we need to keep in front of our health systems in the MHA as we move forward to keep it on top of our agenda. Well, Ed, again, thank you for your great leadership on that front. It's been uh, most appreciated and certainly uh, very uh, encouraging to see the very strong response from the membership throughout the state of Michigan, whether it's uh, rural uh, communities or whether that's urban uh, settings. We're seeing a very, very strong response to our, our health equity work. So, Ed, let's end with this. You've talked at length today about some of the, the current events and the challenges re, uh, represented by COVID-19, some of the things that are keeping you up at night with respect to the pandemic. Can you talk a bit about where you see healthcare moving in the year ahead and those things that you would classify as major challenges for the Munson Health System and perhaps how the MHA can be of assistance there? Yeah. 
You know, so I think we're going to, for some period of time, have to live in two worlds. That is the world of treating and addressing the COVID crisis. So whether that's vaccinations, whether that's continued financial challenge, or whether that's, you know, the strain it puts our employees and visitors. But we, we at the same time have to move forward with our strategic initiatives. And that is, how do we transform ourselves um, to providing high value care to our communities? You know, again, speaking for Northern Michigan, but I think this is reflective of hospitals. People think about hospitals and communities, but, you know, 70% of what we do in many of our communities is outside the four walls of the hospital. And so this shift to providing value to our patients, and whether it's risk-based contracts or other arrangements, we have to change our mindset about from delivering care in the four walls of the hospital to what do we need to do to improve the, the population of the health we served. And I think, um, you know, our challenge is going to be is, you know, how do you maintain focus on the COVID public health crisis but not lose sight of the longer term strategic vision of providing high value care to our communities. And, you know, I think we are lucky in Michigan that we have a strong hospital association. And frankly, we have a strong network of hospitals that collaborate, share information, share ideas and cooperate so that we're not on our own. And so I'm very confident that as a Michigan healthcare industry, we're going to be successful, you know, if we continue to collaborate and uh, have the strong support of the MHA. Ed, thank you so much. It's very clear that the people of Northern Michigan and the entire state of Michigan, for that matter, are very fortunate to have your leadership there at Munson. And we at the MHA are very fortunate to have your chairmanship of the association this year. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Ed Ness, the president and CEO of Munson Healthcare, the chairman of the MHA Board of Trustees. This has been the My Care matters podcast we are so happy that you could join us this afternoon please enjoy the rest of the day <laughs>